This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. You are tuned into the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing our series on cults. So here at the Constructionist, we encourage a worldview that is built on the principles of Christ. And in this episode, we are examining the occult, not to be confused with cults. This is the occult, which we'll define here in a minute. So we're doing this through a clear and honest lens. So next week, we're continuing our series with a more traditional cult and modern day cults. And by doing so and doing a series like this, we hope to offer insights and perspectives that will help you in your journey towards a greater understanding with love and compassion for yourself and for other people. We want to assure you that in tonight's episode, we've researched, we're not fabricating anything. And so these are information and this is information and ideas that we've come up with to present to you. If we're going to make a guess, we're going to tell you we're guessing. If we're going to do some research or we're offering research, we're going to tell you where to get it and look it up yourself. So our goal is to provide an honest and authentic perspective in our examination. So this is our thinking space. We're we're presenting ideas and thoughts. And tonight, we are making our best attempt to explain very practical thoughts on the occult. So if you enjoy the Constructionist podcast and want to support us financially, please follow the link in the chat or the show notes on the social media platform that you are listening to and visit our give page at resonatelife.org. Your support will enable us to continue producing high quality quality content like this. We desire to hear from you. We want to engage with you and that's more important to us. So we believe that through our interactions and discussions with listeners like you, we can continue to learn and grow together. And with your value, uh, valued feedback and questions and ideas, we're excited to build a community around a shared exploration called a communal hermeneutic. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know what you think. So tonight is the occult. We're going to define that. Thank you, Sharia. Thank you, Jake, for joining. And I think first, what I'd like to do, Sharia, is to go to your definition of cults. This is going to get mm-hmm. a little confusing tonight, I think, because we have the occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, the occult. And our general series is called The Cults. So if you say an and and uh, the occult or you say a cult kind of sounds the same so you're going to define a cult a, a cult? cult okay oh, cult. a not cult. cult yes please define a cult for us tonight all right so the dictionary definition is um a system of religion that's like organized around a central um deity or object a system of worship um, the, the definition we've been working with in this series, um, to talk about, um, it's more pejorative use 
is um, a religious system that's characterized by um, high control and often centered around a charismatic or narcissistic leader. So our definition of cults has taken us to talking about specific cults, but also talking about cult philosophy. We do think mm -hmm. that you can have a cult philosophy where like Christian nationalism or any kind of nationalism can move into cultish type philosophy. Um, you can get into some politics and such that has cult philosophy behind it. And when those form into communities, into groups, some ideologues, some ideology comes together and starts circling around a central leader, that's when it's formally considered a cult. Now, all religions, like Sharia said, would be definitely have a cult-like system of behaviors or the practices and such. And if Christianity central centers around one person, Jesus, then you would say that all religions really, including Christianity, is a cult. Yet in a modern, more like Sharia said, a definition that is more practical, that what people would deem more like a modern day idea of cult is that leader then is controlling narcissistic and a power monger and such. So this is where in politics, you can actually move into cult like behavior when you're centering around a central leader that is narcissistic and, and controlling and domineering. But the occult, so I thought, you know, it would be great to talk about the occult on this day, October 26, just a few days. Uh, before Jake's birthday. No, just kidding. <laughs> or Kevin and Shreya's birthday. Our birthday. <laughs> yeah, but really right before Halloween. where Happy birthday have, to us. Yeah, happy birthday in the month of October to many of us, it seems like. Um, but the occult, where this is, this is the witches, the warlocks, the druids, the magic, the... Um, the uh, Psychics. The, psychics, the tarot the card readers, card, yeah. on and on and on. So this is the occult. And we do have a different definition, which not to be confused with cult, because really the occult is not formally cult. cult. No. Right. It's not formally a cult. It is the occult, which is defined as esoteric uh, religion or esoteric practices of the supernatural, of beliefs, of of practicalities in general that follow fall outside of anything organized. So what really defines first the occult is it's not organized. It's not some organized religious faction, group, community. Now, I think that, that you can take occult practices and turn that into a, a cult. Yes, definitely. A traditional, um, let's, let's say a traditional cult. Like a yeah, you can turn that into center. a traditional cult cult yeah so i would say that some oh let's just pick on some idea like ayahuasca treatments the these herbs that you take or really medicinal type <clears throat> drink that you take and you can steam bath with it or you can drink it straight and you literally have a physical reaction where 
sometimes that includes projectile vomiting and then all of a sudden going into a hallucinogenic state. And then in that hallucinogenic state, the shaman, the mentor, the person that's overseeing you in this ayahuasca treatment, then walks you through some traumas, walks you through something. Some people find value in it and some people find true healing in ayahuasca treatments. Yet there are groups that you can go to spa treatments and maybe in Florida or in the Keys or whatever. And Florida. you can yeah, you can spend time with ayahuasca communities where they turn it into almost like a controlling spiritual practice. So that's where some things that are seen as like the witch's brew, where we're drinking the witch's brew, the ayahuasca drink. Let's just connect those two together for you know, tonight's sake, that uh, it turns into, with a community of people, a cult-type mm -hmm. feel. But the practice of something, a spiritual practice of something, doesn't necessarily make something culty, cultish, or cult. You have to have a group of people. You have to have a leader in them. So these are the things the occult falls outside of organized religion. Think, so, can I butt in real fast, Kevin? Yeah, please. Please. Um, a cult by definition is you said esoteric and a good word the occult yeah the, the occult is or occult practices is esoteric which is a hiddenness or a secretiveness mm -hmm. yeah uh, mm -hmm. i think a little maybe a little closer that we see around us a lot um like the freemason society would be an occultic practice because it's secret, it's hidden, there's rites and right. rituals, there are behind closed doors, they're governed by a text. Um, so it's very occultic, if you think about the true definition of, of a cult. Um, yeah. So like these secret societies that are out there that are hidden or you you have no access into. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest difference between an organized religion that's accepted, like Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, uh, Judaism is yeah, that you can yeah. go Islam is that you can go and observe their practices and they're not hidden or secret, mm -hmm. but the occult on the other side is a hidden or secret. And so it's hard to engage with those, with those times or beings. So what we talk, we're going to talk about tonight a little bit to piggyback on what Jake just said, we might pick on a few groups, you know, because there are groups that, you know, you're not allowed in. You can't see behind the curtain. You got to dress in a funny hat and funny clothes to get in there. Um, there's some, well, I would say, let's just call it weird because it is weird. I think walking in with funny hats and doing funny handshakes is weird. Like, like Christian priests? Right. But but you know what? It doesn't necessarily. So, so here's the thing. Something that really Sharia was pushing me just really hard on the other day when we were doing our pre-work is <laughs> is occult practices necessarily bad see that's the thing is we need to unpack occult practices are they good are they bad are they helpful are they harmless what are they and why do we have views of them that we do like why do we view witches as bad um, why in the Old Testament does it say that sorceress says the sorceress female is to be killed? What happened to the sorcerer? I mean, Simon the sorcerer survived that, but we don't see too many 
female sorceress says, or however you pronounce it. So, so we're going to unpack that a little bit tonight, but we really have to unpack it. Okay. Where do we get these views from? Like the witch's brew. Does that just come from Dis Disney? Or, or where does that come from? Like the Salem witch trials, why did those even occur? Um, where did the witch trials come from? Going back farther and farther and farther in history, there's a lot of viewpoints or at least movement against the occult that's bad or that it's to declare it bad. But then, hmm, I can't remember the year, but we have the emergence of, of a move a book series and a movie series that's playing off of the book series called mm -hmm. Harry Potter where Christians a traditional Christian Christianity attacked these books anything that had to do with magic or the other side kind of the even the underworld or the overworld or the behind the curtain world or or let's stop at this you know train stop and get into that other world so so even the other world stuff is seen as bad well why is it 1998 1998 it's old. um why was that considered bad uh and the movement well it really isn't bad well why isn't it bad i think we're going to answer some of that tonight so let's start with a little more definition um, because the occult includes so much and that's the problem with this with this category is the occult just kind of is a wholesale basket of any type of phenomenon like any other type otherworldly or other thing that goes outside of organized religion or scientific explanation and so the problem when you say that though I would say is okay so you're going to tell me that wands and flying on sticks right is is weird um and is evil right but we're going to say <laughs> that you know taking bread and juice in a weekly ritual um and calling it the body and the blood of christ and practicing that every week and either pretending like it is the body and the blood of Christ, memorializing the body and the blood of Christ, or actually believing it's the body and the blood of Christ, transubstantiated, substantiated, consubstantiated, or memorialized communion, that that's not weird. Uh, we're going to say that's not weird, but wands and sticks are weird. Um, I think we need to unpack that a little bit because I don't think that that's a fair shake at the wands and sticks to say that that's just weird. So Shreya taught me a lot about, hey, wait a minute, Kevin, stop the bus because you can't just throw everything in the evil category um, that you don't understand or doesn't have an explanation. And I think that that's most of it is it doesn't have an explanation. So let's just throw it in this wholesale basket. Okay, it's not organized religion, it's not science. So let's just make this all encompassing category and call it the occult and then deem it evil. So it's otherworldly agency. That's, that's what the occult actually is categorized as the big category of the occult that includes magic that includes mysticism that includes like casting spells and 
tarot card reading and clairvoyance, but there's also other categories like ESP. That was the big thing, extrasensory perception. I see dead people. So, so the idea that you have this like extrasensory clairvoyance or a parapsychology of, you know, you can hear voices or you can hear the other side or the underworld. So I think that that term occult, uh, basically that's, that's how that, that, uh, the categories of the occult, but there was an evolution of the occult where I would say that Christianity was thought as probably the magic spells and the, and the witch's brew, um, to start, I mean, I'm sure that Jews and Greeks thought that, you know, Christians were like, what are you brewing up in that little ritual you got called I, the Eucharist? I, 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 I think that they were considered cannibals. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't think that which is rituals, weird, which is weird, <laughs> but they, I don't think that like using blood in the middle of, of worship, um, metaphorical for Christianity, but uh in most animist and like judaism mm -hmm. uh the blood is a central part of worships so like sacrifice of animals in judaism or uh i was in oh, oh but i think that's not what i'm that's yes i totally agree we're talking about a sacrifice of a person in drinking people's blood that has always gone into i mean even the learned greeks you'd have to go back to You'd have to go back to um, what Assyrians, Babylonians, when they would throw the babies in the sacrifice in the hot pan. Yeah, uh, you would have to go back to some of those that thinking animist style. Yeah, and then you went right. to Incan and Aztecan religions as well. Right, <clears throat> right, and more and so, and more recent history. It's those so primal. that's right. I think that that's just like the the introduction. That's this this all encompassing idea but occult practices also include things like astrology it also includes things like like natural phenomenon would be considered i guess occult any kind of spiritualism is the occult of I course like a, a pseudoscience would you say like anything that's a pseudoscience would be occultic yeah yeah i'm sorry pseudo natural science um like you know, you take these herbs or you take this set of herbs and it and it gives you a bigger spiritual reality. You can tap into other things if you, you know, take magic mushrooms or whatever, uh, LSD trips and such, even even drugs um, that are we're more familiar with. But uh, new age there for a while, that new age philosophy was considered and would be still considered the occult. But what is new age anyway? That's that seems just like a modern term to throw any, you know, urban type Hinduism, Buddhism, spirituality into a wholesale bucket too, and mm -hmm. and call it the new age. So, so I think that it's very loosely defined, and it's very harshly judged. Mm -hmm. And I'll end with this in the introduction. It's harshly judged because mostly. We just don't understand and won't take the time to understand the history of it, where it came from, and whether it's good or bad. Well, and if you're looking from a Christian lens, it's really easy to anything that's outside of Christianity to call a 
mm-hmm. a cult, a uh, or the occult, and then and right, then either the, way it's bad. Quick, the quick transition to well, this is Satan, and so obviously this is part of the occult now. So right. there's no bifurcation of of cult versus occult versus Satanism versus anything that it's. Well, anything outside of Christianity is a spawn of Satan. So, so yeah. So even like traditional religions would be Satanism um, to a very traditional Christian. Trey is laughing, but I, I really did deal with like people and people groups that just No, I know. It was just, you said it so authoritatively. I was like, oh, we're going to have to back up a little bit here. So authoritatively with what? What do you mean? That everything outside, that everything of outside Christianity is of the devil. Well, I've had people say that to me. That, <laughs> well, like that even, traditional Christianity actually would say yeah. that. Well, card playing would be the occult. Dancing yeah. would be the oh, occult. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely satanic. Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. I don't care if you were Christian or not. Dungeons and Dragons was the occult. And that was from Satan. Even if you weren't a christian that was from satan uh i i guess what the the story that i have is is there i had a secretary once in the church and she was a wonderful person and i'm not dissing on her whatsoever but she had a very traditional form of christianity and she was very spiritually sensitive she called herself spiritually sensitive and i think that she was not not clairvoyant but spiritually sensitive no that's a christian way of saying parapsychology (laughs) so so she yeah so she was very sensitive to the spirit she would say and she prayed and she prayed hard and she prayed up and down those hallways and prayed 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 she was my prayer person and i was just talking theology with her and i said there's some groups that believe that and we're talking about baptism and 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 it's just the theology of baptism so it's just a subject matter in christianity that's been argued for a very long time and and too much and whether where the baptism is necessary not necessary um essential not essential for salvation and so i was just like presenting like the idea to her that that we um that there are different views on baptism and i said there's some that believe that baptism is not essential for salvation but there are people in christianity that believe that baptism is essential and necessary for salvation and she just blurred out like yelled at me that it was witchcraft she's like that's just witchcraft and i just was like witchcraft i've never heard anybody say like like that's like saying that all calvinists are witchcraft or or kind of true well are an arminianist to be fair they're witchcraft so so it's really like it was really strong but now that we've studied the occult i kind of have an understanding of why she would say that that it's just this wholesale bucket that we throw everything in that we don't understand so let's try to understand it the very best that we can understand so in our first block tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, if I can open up my notes here, we're going to talk a little bit about um, magic. magic and yes, and <clears throat> the idea of magic and the morality and the history of magic. So Jake, kind of take this, lead it a little bit. Shrey and Jake, you guys lead this a little bit and just talk openly about magic because you're more 
you're more uh, familiar, I think, with this and more modern in your childhood and your modern childhood history. Uh, let's see. I was 10 when Harry Potter came out in 98. <laughs> yeah. So, but we were of the, of the group that there was a boycott of Harry Potter, right? We right. allowed to read it. It was, I don't think my parents for that, I wasn't really reading those books anyways. And so mm. I don't think it was a all out. You can't read it, but a lot of, a lot of people around us, whereas you cannot read this text. Um, because it, it creates thin spaces inside of you that Satan can enter into your heart. Okay. We'll so just, back up, like we'll explain just, thin spaces. We'll just leave that there. No, no, no. We got to okay. camp well, on Can that. I offer a parallel to that? Yeah. Because that's also the way I've heard, um, meditation explained by conservative mm -hmm. Christians that if you empty your mind, then there's room for Satan to get in there. Well, it's, it's kind of the same idea as a thin space. Yeah. So thin spaces is when, well, meditation to not to correct you, Jake, but meditation is a religious practice. It's a formed religious practice. I'm not, I'm, Buddhism, I'm being, from... I'm being facetious. Of oh, like okay. Okay. Of, thin uh, spaces of the, I, I am. So, so meditation, a thin so a thin space is we we're doing things, participating in things that we're just standing on that edge of the thin space. Okay. Think of it as thin ice, right? Okay. So the more you venture out in the middle of the lake, the thinner the ice becomes. Well, and I know some people that won't even visit, read, participate, mm -hmm. of course, in anything but a traditional worship service or traditional... Yeah religious practice um because they believe that the devil might get inside of them yeah so think about like like the, if you venture out too far you'll get stuck mm -hmm. you'll fall through mm -hmm. you won't be able to go to your side and so like meditation emptying yourself becomes that a thin space where you're mm -hmm. you, in christianity that they say you're supposed to actually fill yourself with these things but other religions is the emptying of self which I, there's no validity in that in that claim. I think that's that's bunk. But um, yeah. the idea is that the further you venture out from traditional Christianity, the more easy it is to slip through the ice mm -hmm. and to fall. I think um, I think thin space is a term that has been you. I think it comes from Ireland. I'm not positive, um, but like. Halloween, for example, or All yeah. Hallows Eve was considered a thin space um, mm -hmm. when the veil between the worlds is yeah, thinner. Um, and so there's more contact with the dead. Yeah. And in, in Coco, it describes thin spaces mm -hmm. as well. Um, and then the day of the dead is the day of the dead, yeah. right? Is the yeah. thinnest. And so that's when they're able to enter in back into the earth and visit their ofrenda. Um, I really kind of like thin spaces. Thin spaces are nice. And so thin <laughs> spaces also have to do like with planets aligning as well. So when uh, the planets are closest together, then something spiritual is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it becomes that thin, that thin space again. And so like, there's all these moments in time. Um, uh, thin spaces are like the longest day of the year, the shortest day of the year. 
you mm-hmm. know, we have we have Christian holidays that cover up these solstice and and uh, what's the other word? Besides solstice. the equinox, equinox, equinox times. Until, okay, sorry, and I didn't so, know where you're going. So we have we have Christian practices that cover up these thin space ideas, but we have a theology of thin space as well, where Jesus is is the ultimate thin space, right? That yeah. it's, it's there's no thinner space than that. Uh, so got back to magic. Sorry, um, I think it's a misunderstanding. But also a reality that people believe in spells, casting spells, wanting them to oh, be yeah. true. Um, good, bad omens. Good and bad omens are speaking, speaking into things, right? Speaking right. over things. And a lot of that is, it's about intention and setting one's intentions, which is a thing that you do if you are trying to reach a goal or maybe you maybe it's a part of your christian spiritual practice like setting intentions is a pretty universal practice um but it's also a big part of magic well yeah i mean there was a famous gentleman that wrote an uber famous book called purpose something life and purpose driven life (laughs) so so that right there is an intention, like you're setting an intention with your purpose. So the idea of setting intention, like when a yoga teacher stands in front or sits mm-hmm. in front of a class and says, let's set an intention with our practice. There's absolutely nothing wrong with setting an intention with a practice. We do it in Christianity. If you go to a liturgical church, more liturgical, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're called worship together with an, an intention um there's themes to our worship practice so setting intention is not a bad thing um yeah, spell, spell casting is just speaking out over something be it well let's go let's go back to the the definition of magic though because magic is the manipulation through tools through devices through like ingredients right mm-hmm. so through like a mechanism you're manipulating the supernatural to manifest itself in the natural somehow where you're taking something that's otherworldly and you're bringing it into the world and the intention of that can be good uh nebulous like no consequence or bad so they call that white magic gray magic black magic and and honestly like in my research on this there was absolutely no consensus on what is white gray especially gray and what is dark magic or black magic so when you are taking something magic a device ingredients or tools of some kind to manipulate the supernatural to manifest itself in the natural for good self-help other help intentions then that would be a white magic gray means it has no consequence or there's just no it's just something that you're trying to do that has no consequence and then dark would be for bad intention so if you're trying to do harm to another person or or take revenge on another person that would be like dark magic yeah right but magic in and of itself in the first century of the church actually was connected to 
some kind of demonic force. And so early on in Christianity, demons and magic got connected. And so, so you have to, in order to, in order to like call all magic bad or, or it's all evil or it's all witchcraft, um, whatever that, that what you are yelling out about the occult as a Christian, you have to have a traditional form of Satan, a view of Satan in order to believe certain things about magic. So if you are connecting Satan and demons to magic manipulative practices to manifest the supernatural into the natural, you actually have to have some form of traditional Satan theology um, that backs that. Otherwise, it's like, well, what are you manipulating? If you don't believe in demons, then what are you manipulating? Or if you if you don't believe in Satan, what are you what are you manipulating into the natural world? I think yes, and there can be good magic. <clears throat> um, and I'll go back to like like the story of Jesus. Let's go back right there at the. Yeah. He's visited by three magi, <clears throat> three yeah. sorcerers, three yeah. magicians. Right. And so and they, they bring did, go ahead. They bring gifts that that uh foreshadow death. Mm -hmm. And so it's these tools and mechanisms that, that they have. And so it's mm -hmm. they're out looking for, they have done their their magic back home and they're actually looking for Jesus. So I mean it's hard through scripture to really say that magic is good or bad. I think it just it just is and is what people engage with. Um, yeah. It's just using tools. It's a, it's a, it's a, I, it's, <laughs> it's the Greek word techne, which is, which is use the use of tools. I, I think that much maybe of our belief about yeah. magic probably emerged and especially our modern view of magic and what we believe about like a witch in a pointy hat with a with a stew you know the witch's stew or merlin the magician or or something like that it came merlin from was a good guy remember right right um and expensive white magic to perform white magic back in the day like if you wanted to hire somebody to perform magic in your life, that was cash. And so, so if you wanted somebody to come to your house and, and cast a good spell, that was a lot of money because they brought some very expensive things. So, so I'm wondering like these magicians or these sorcerers that ended up in Jesus's uh, around the time of Jesus uh, being on earth here, you know, that was cash that they laid down for Jesus. And I, and I'm wondering like, like they had those things, they had those things in their possession and they brought those things to Jesus. So they used those things in other venues and other, for other purposes. And so, so people called upon them for something, you know, whatever it was, they called upon these people to perform different things in their life. Uh, so so white magic you know and dark magic black magic is cheap so we we now in our modern modern like view is that's the 
frog legs. We're going to put some frog legs in the stew and we're going to put some, you know, guts, you know, in the stew. That's all cheap. It didn't have any cash behind it. So um, it just was a recipe for dark magic. But Sheree, I want you to talk because this is this is where we cross the line here of, okay, so in the Bible, we have these positively viewed sorcerers that show up at the baby Jesus. We have positive views of sorcerers, but now, you know, in the Salem, Massachusetts area, now we're, you know, burning them at this, you know, witches, females mm -hmm. at the stake. And like every Disney movie you see, you know, there's... There's witches that have cackling laughs and, and literally are using cheap products for black magic. So why is, why is, you know, she had this pointy nose and this, you know, pocked out face with, you know, a pointy hat and she's being burned at the stake, but Simon the sorcerer all the way advancing up to Merlin the magician, why are they seen as like heroes? Well, I mean, Simon the Sorcerer is not seen as a hero. Oh, well, okay, yeah, but, but he's not. Yeah, Saul wasn't supposed to go there. But there, <laughs> but there was a. But there's a the verse wrong. in Exodus that says, "Kill the female sorcerer." Yeah, but, but there's well, nothing we'll, about the male one. Yeah, let's eh. go back. We'll go back to the whole sorcerer thing. I think you're talking about like, like why, why have we really demoralized and made witches to be ugly and gross and mean yeah like what what is what is a better view of what a witch is uh. well honestly i think that it's just bottom line misogynistic and yeah. hating on females again so when you when you look in history how females were treated um and thought to be witches um there's a whole history of why they even thought they were yeah. witches. Go for it, Trey. Um, so after the Middle Ages, um, Europe is moving out of serfdom um, and something called the enclosures took place. So it used to be land was public. It was held in common. So everyday people could go forage for berries out on the land. They could use wood from the trees to make houses. They could graze their sheep. Um, and during the enclosures, it was basically a land grab to make land private property. Um, and when you do that, now all of these common people don't have access to that livelihood through the land. And so you end up losing a huge chunk of essentially social services. Um, mm -hmm. The demographic that is hit hardest by this are um, middle-aged to elderly women who don't have family to fall back on. And so these are the people who would have the, fought back the hardest. The gleaners. Yeah, would have fought back the hardest um, against this system because they were getting left behind. Um, and so maybe they did get a little bit angry and bitter, um, but for good reason. Um, these are also um, the people who would traditionally carry um, a lot of the healing knowledge, like using 
uh, plants for making medicines. Um, and so it was very easy to pin that sort of practice as just label it witchcraft. And now we've got the church involved and we can go kill the women and take the land. So instead of herbs and medicine, now we just cut them, bleed them, and put leeches on their body because that's better. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. and and we know that who controlled herbs, uh, and especially healing herbs, was the church. Yeah, and that, well, that, and... That is why uh, Luther created beer with hops, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, Kevin, the dropping frog's legs and stuff into the pot, right? That's... Right. Um, it's code. So things like Eye of Newt or whatever it's code for plants that would resemble that in some way. And so people who knew their plants knew the code mm. and were able to make the medicines, but people who didn't know the code couldn't. It was a way of protecting the knowledge. Mm. If you want to look at sorcerer and why, especially, and I think sorcery falls at this time more on females because they were more the herbalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Simon, the sorcerer, I think in, in the new Testament where they're dealing with him. Um, if you go to the, to the original language of, of what sorcery is, it's a, uh, it's pharmaca or, or pharmacology. And so a sorcerer would just be a, a pharmacist of sorts. And I think, the the sin of Simon the sorcerer was more that he was producing drugs that people were getting high off of and was poisoning them mm-hmm. than than Simon was using drugs to heal people, and I think that's 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 the issue in the, in in the Simon text. It's not it's not that he was using magic or he was doing all this weird stuff. Is that he was he was taking from society in a, in a way. Hmm. So, so in taking away from society by using methods that possibly, you know, couldn't be well taxed or couldn't be charged for by the state or something like that, that that's happened in history all along. That That's what Luther, Martin Luther got in trouble for, um, basically. Well, you talk about like ayahuasca or peyote right. or right. even pot, right? The idea right. is that this is a high experience that puts you into a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, that is why I think that those things are so, are so demonized. But the high, the idea of Simon, the sorcerer was, was he was poisoning people on purpose. Right. Right. So there is a symbol, um, of magic that it, and i and i hope i get this right because i'm not a i'm not a expert on satanism or the symbols of satanism or divination or magic and so there's different symbols you know within uh, different groups or different philosophies of the occult and and there's there's mystical traditions that are tr- traditions um but then there's also like just practices um and and what it seems to me is there is a 
continual conversation about balance that you have the supernatural and the natural that need to be balanced. You have good and evil that needs balance. You have demons and angels that need balance. So there's like this idea of, of balance. And when things get out of balance, then I, you know, am like the diviner. I'm the one that like is, is the magic performer that's going to bring life back into balance by casting good and bad spells on, on people and the the symbol for this balance is the goat's head and that's the goat's head that you see uh, well halloween it's going to come out it's a really creepy head um it's a really it's really of all heads the, the goat is the, is yeah, the creepiest of it's all on the level, it's on the especially level decapitated really... or on a male it's really <laughs> scary. It's a scary head, and it's Baphomet, which is the name of the head. Um, and supposedly worshipped by the Knights of Templar. Um, so, so of basically, Templar. yeah. So, so you'll see this head like way back in like the 1300s, but then advancing forward in modern time. You'll see it in the the 19th century. Um, you know, take like a like lot cultism. of yeah. a lot of root in in cult, demon, deity, demon balance, and so the full uh, depiction of the goat is actually the goat's head on a human body. It's not just the goat's head. So that's why people wear the goat's head on the human body, and so it's more of a of a. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, like a balance between, I guess, the natural and the supernatural. Um, depictions of evil animals. Uh, I've read some things as far as when the Europeans came and colonized and took over basically Native American indigenous land that they deemed all of their practices uh, demonic and magic. And so they became everything that that Native Americans uh, practiced in history, in their history, um, whether it be a practice of herbal use, whether it be a practice of dance, whether it be a practice of what they wore, what they what they put on their face, even the markings on their face, uh, you know, tattooed markings or scarrings of some kind, um, all of that became like magic it was demonic and so the appropriation into some of the occult practices since that's demonic we'll we'll use it so you'll see some things in like practices the occult practice that says that seem okay that seems more native american to me than like some weird demonic practice well, and I so mean, the europeans people would contest, people would think that sweat huts and peyote would be demonic demonic right all of those kinds of things um even though they do express more of a probably a natural magic you know what we would consider nature's <laughs> magic um you know how in the world does herbs heal us right that's kind of natural magic so well, i mean we still the use same way herbs. food does right i know the it's same way like, that like <laughs> real medicine does our real medicine yeah. but pills right or like or like like uh, some kind of performance or something to call 
rain for the for the for the growth of the land for yeah. the product that needed to be harvested or or what have you the the range of practices that early christians deemed demonic and since everything outside of traditional religious christianity of course was witchcraft then some of these things begin to disperse out into other groups and practices as well kind of a sad reality um to me that i look at that and go wow we just kind of appropriated very sacred spiritual ancient practices and adopted them into like de demonic realm we've done that all along the way whether that be with a goat's head or whether that be with with much of what we're talking about is is magic has has appropriated a lot of of things um, in history. That was a lot. I can talk about one more little symbol that we all know yeah. really well that um, has occultic ties, especially with the idea of of healing. Um, the the symbol of physicians oh yeah mm -hmm. um, is the staff and the two snakes and i think christians have this idea that it's moses's staff when moses raised it up this that the snake <laughs> right. on it that everyone's healed that's not, not what it. that is that no. is the, the staff of of hermes and mm -hmm. the snake or the snakes on it represent the venom and the oil that doctors would pull off of snakes and feed to to alien patients and so that's where the idea of snake selling snake oil comes from mm. um so like even we we have these symbols of animism i'll say animism i think animism is a little better definition of what we're using for a cult right now um because it's just the primal practices of any given area before they meet Christianity. And so say like, that one more time, say that one more time. Animism, I think is a better definition of what we're talking about right now, because those are okay. primal, primal religious structures and, and rituals before they meet Christianity. Okay. Um, traveling around like in Thailand, they have animist houses, especially in the North yeah. outside their homes. And they have little, they have little figurines of, of, of people in them and <clears throat> they have blessings to them. And it's just it's basically ancestor worship almost, um, right. in Latin America, you have the ofrenda where it's those that are passed or set up on an altar. And then once a year they get a visit as long as they're remembered. We all know that song, right? Um, and, well, in northern in northern Thailand, they're animists. The Karen tribes are animists, yeah. And so they have animist houses outside of all of their of their teakwood homes, mm -hmm. and that's that's been the challenge of evangelism in yeah. some of those kind well, of communal tribe people because, you know, Jesus just seems like another person symbol. Evangelism is easy. Put to put along the the lineup of all of the others. And so, so it's, it's and then you go into like, um, in Telawesi when I was there, it was sacrificing a bull or many bulls for the crossing into death. And this was mm -hmm. a Christian tribe. Yeah. 
And so you had these practices that, that predate Christianity, predate even like, then you have evangelists coming. But even talking about, about gospel, like the good news, mm-hmm. all that is is the God spell. It's the speaking right. of, of goodness of God over everybody. And so maybe we're all magicians. <laughs> Let's talk about psychics. This is uh, ESP. He didn't, he didn't like um, that one very much. Extrasensory perception. <laughs> this is uh, the sixth sense, the paranormal. I um, I see dead people, the projections, the psychic abilities. Uh, you know, I've I've met people that that believe that they um, are psychics, that they can basically hear talk to although i would say that 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 moves into parapsychology but um but people believe that they can you know see future that they can sense people around you that they can sense the sixth sense of spiritual activity the esp the extrasensory perception um you made a joke about being spiritually sensitive christians believe that they're spiritually sensitive i i am having a hard time differentiating in my deconstruction when we say christian cliche type things like i'm spiritually sensitive i'm listening to god i'm i'm like sensitive to the holy spirit the holy spirit speaking to me um it's really hard to differentiate that and i'm not kidding i'm not just joking it's hard for me to um it's hard for me to differentiate this what is the Holy Spirit, the difference between that and ESP, and the traditional form of ESP? But where does intuition fit into this? You know, like my gut is telling me, mm-hmm. eh, I'm not going to do this. Or is that grandma speaking to me from the other side? Well, hopefully the overworld um, speaking to me from the other side. Or, you know, I got this little, you know, ghost in my house that's telling me not to do it let's try to take a step what like a little more simplistic what's the difference between a psychic and a prophet psychics are always seen as like bad people according to christianity (laughs) and is it is it just because they cost a lot of money to tell you a bunch of malarkey you know malarkey i don't know that's an old term but what is what truly is the difference between a psychic or a prophet? I mean, I think I I sort of have one, but it's iffy. Um, the prophets, at least as we see them in the Bible, are often talking to a whole nation. Not always, though. Um, whereas our so popular down in one view state, of psychics right? is. <laughs> Our popular view of psychics is like one-on-one fortune telling. Okay, so let's take it back. So when Paul writes that some of you will be psych- uh, psychic, some of you will be psychic, <laughs> some of you are prophets, some teachers, some evangelists. So what is mm-hmm. that's not speaking to the entire nation? Sure. So in that case, I understand what you're saying between type one prophet, right? Speaking of mm-hmm. nation, giving a message and then giving hope. That's how we know if it's a true or right. false prophet is the hope message. But how what's the difference in, in Paul's day between right. it's psychic and a prophet? 
Don't know. This is where I break down with it. That's my problem. That's the problem that I just shared. It's like, okay, I'm having a problem with differentiating a traditional, like traditional. I'm not talking about, you know, when you're walking up and down, you know, Venice Beach, California, and you, you know, or stop by some little, you know, garage type storefront and you pay, you know, a hundred bucks for somebody to tell you stuff you already know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody, you know, that's on Oprah that actually is seen as like a real, like that has documented historical, like documentation of the things that they have predicted have come true or, or they're actually reading somebody's, you know, aura or something. I, I don't know the difference to be honest. Well, I mean, I'm fairly comfortable with there not being one. (laughs) I mean, I I think it has to do with where their message is given. Okay. But I, I, I believe that people can be spiritually sensitive inside and outside the church. Mm. And so when we, when we have this view that people are not able to access the spirit, outside of Christianity, I think that that's completely wrong. And in, in our, in the Bible, we have a tradition of even pre high priests being outside the tradition of Judaism. And so prophet and priest stretches beyond one religion. So let's get specific astral projections. So we have, we have, I really want to talk about this stuff because this is the out of body experience. I'm having an out of body experience. It's, it's people just use this terminology um, or near death experience. Shreya, do you believe that when, like, if you got close to death, what is your view? If you get close to death, you know, the boy that sees heaven and then a whole theology is built off of that, yeah. of course. Right. But like, like we, we get to the near death and like, do you actually believe that we can have an out-of-body experience? Like I saw the light and I came back to planet Earth. I mean, what what is your view on that? Because I have certain specific views that I'm just going to nail it to the wall. So just know that before you answer. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the warning. Hey, <laughs> like, uh, I'm comfortable with the world being a weirder place than I think it is. Um, but also... I think brains probably do weird things when they don't have oxygen. Thank you. Because that's where I was going. I think that there is a very large case, like the whole astral projection, having an out-of-body experience, or I died, had an out-of-body experience, and came back to life. Okay, that's on the ESP spectrum Mm -hmm. of things. That's in that category. Um. You know, I say biology for a long time, and I I wanted to be a biologist. I had took a lot of human anatomy, physiology classes, and such, and and I do follow uh, science still, and I and I do love science and and just the just the practice of 
of science. Science is not something to believe in. It's something to practice. It's not a faith principle. It's it's a method. It's a it's you know a, a, a discipline that's built with theories. And so these topics go outside of like science, most of them. But I would say that the whole out of body near death experience actually has a scientific explanation. And so if I asked you, you know, what do you think happens to you when you die? You know, you probably say, oh, I, you know, go to heaven or I'll, you know, I'll see you in hell or whatever, you know, your, your answer is. But the scientific explanation is at some point when you're, and I've watched many people die, like, being a pastor, you just watch people die. You're like the person that's standing there taking their last breath you know, during the death gargle and they take their last breath and then you just pray them into heaven and and there you go. But but if you ask me that question, I would probably I would probably say, well, you know, at some point your organs shut down, you know, and your heart stops beating. And at some point after that, your brain actually because of the way that your brain is there's a there's a there's like a release of dmt it's called dimethyl tryptamine dimethyl tryptamine is released and at that point like your brain is rushed with like let's see just say like a almost like a dopamine response it's trying and to save itself yeah yeah, just basically just like in a state of like almost like psychedelic experience. So so it's been tested and it's associated with psych psychedelic experience, like just just pounding yourself with like, you know, Lucy in the sky with diamonds, just pounding yourself with, you know, psychedelic type drugs. So that's what your brain does uh, in in death. So if you approach that. I could imagine seeing some light. I could imagine seeing some some weird stuff, you know, maybe even having a conversation with great grandma. You know, you're just like having like this, literally this experience. And then if they can shock your heart back into place, um, back into, you know, rhythm, I guess that would, in a sense. And so it's so in that death experience, there's a biological, physiological brain chemical experience that you are having and and you know if you did die um where are we you at? know then all of that what have, all what of we... that ends Near so the death whole experiences. idea of astral okay. projection okay or out of body experience or okay. near death experience um you know really i would say there's a lot of there's a lot of uh biology or science that can can explain, explain that. that yeah there's also so there's another category but we want to finish on of course something well, very positive and and fun is the church of satan well hold on Kevin. Um, i think i think yeah. what Super you're saying fun. what you're saying is a, is a good point too when we when we engage with things that now can be scientifically proven yeah i think we just need to let things go and not try to force mm -hmm. God back into that section or our spirituality back into that spec section, like near death oh, experiences yeah. and, and viewing God. Um, right. We've, we've talked about Occam's razor in the past, but the mm -hmm. simplest answer is probably the easiest answer. And the si simplest answer that we have for like these 
these uh, views of heaven and and weirdness are is probably DMT. Like that is a right. a, a newer biological explanation of what happens when you have near death experiences. Um, right. So that, and a lot, I think with the occult is changing because if something seemed nefarious or bad, we put Satan behind that. And if something seemed good, we put God behind that. Mm -hmm. But if now we can scientifically prove one or the other, then it it's, it's better. Right. So, right. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, I don't know if we're going to get to, I mean, we can because it's Halloween and, you know, we can talk till midnight and people could just jump in and jump out of this conversation and, and like, listen to it later. Spookier um, at midnight anyway. What'd you say? Spookier at midnight anyway. Totally. The paranormal. I had an experience with Jake, um, our co-host here, uh, years ago that we owned coffee houses. And one of the coffee house, some of our staff would claim that there were ghosts in the house. There were things that, you know, things would slam shut or they would hear steps upstairs. And I've heard things, and he, yeah. Yeah, like just just like the paranormal was happening in uh in our our shops. And and so so we were just at the counter one day and some guy walks up and says, "You know that this place is haunted, right?" And we're like, "What? You know, are you kidding me?" Yes, we do. And and he's like, "Well, he's like, has your staff ever told you that like there's somebody living upstairs?" And we're like, no, at first it was like, no, number one, we don't want this kind of publicity. And number two, maybe you do and we can sell tickets. You know, I was just, I didn't quite, you know, know what to do with the subject matter. But he's like, well, I'm with, you know, uh, Oregon Ghost Hunters Ghost and, Society. And, yeah. and we can, we can, you know, our society here in Oregon in this chapter can like test your house and, and all this kind of stuff. So they brought in all this equipment. They brought in all of this, like these, these light readers and sound readers, and they just basically adorned our building with cameras and sound equipment. And in the back room, it was like a NASA setup that we're sending somebody to the moon, all these computers and video screens and just, just crazy amount of recording equipment. We're all upstairs. Short, long story short, we're all upstairs, a group of about like seven or eight of us. And he's explaining the situation and why they think that, that this building is haunted and, you know, Aunt Mary is walking around or whatever. And we, 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 we're looking for this, this uh, apparition. We're looking for this, uh, this paranormal, like whether or not this paranormal claim is real, right? So, so we uh, are all upstairs and all of a sudden, no one else is in the building besides the guy recording and all of a sudden we hear someone or something walk up the stairs. It was a wooden staircase and it was creaky because it's an old building 1906. So, so this thing walks up upstairs. Now, if you can imagine just being little old us, right. And we're just there <laughs> on the whim that this dude says that our house is haunted. 
but you actually hear something and it flipped my lid. I was just, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. Especially when the guy jumps up and is literally calling the spirit forth to present itself to and us. Knock on that, the wall. If you can hear us, like, knock on God. the wall. It doesn't knock. And I, we were that. just like, I, I'm like, I'm done. I need to leave now. I literally walked, you know, like, like, cause it came upstairs. So of course I snuck down the stairs, you know, like slid down the stairs and I'm like, if something's on these stairs, man, I am out of here. And I walked outside and what, what did I find outside? Every single person that was sitting around that table, except that guy that's calling forth the spirit. All of us were outside. We were done. Mm. done. So he says, okay, I, I'm going to bring my report back in a couple of weeks. You'll see the videos. We can sit down and talk about, you know, your paranormal activity in this building. Aunt, Aunt Mary is walking around with a knife or whatever. And I said, okay, whatever. So he comes back a couple weeks later and he's like, I need to have a serious conversation with you about your building. So we sit down and he has a serious conversation with me about the building that we have level five, whatever that means, level five paranormal activity at our building that it's recorded and that they can see it on camera. So he shows me the video. We're watching this little USB drive of video. I still have the video and, and things are like, like here's lights. Here's a car that passes by. You can see the light shadows and such on the, on the window. You can see that this is a, a branch from a tree. This is the wind. You know, you can see that, you know, like little branches fluttering in the, in the window. And then all of a sudden something, someone actually walks in front of the camera. And that is what he couldn't explain and is pauses. someone, a person looking thing walked in front of the camera and he couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it. I just sat there and went, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I was just so creeped out by the whole thing. Do I believe in paranormal activity today because of that one experience? No, I don't. Do I believe that ghosts exist in a form of people in shadow form, friendly form, white sheet form? No, I don't. Do I believe that you can be so charged in your brain about paranormal activity that you can manifest things like in your hearing, even in your sight, even to be recorded on video? I have no idea. I don't have an answer for that. Do I believe most of it is revolving around our own psychic, psychological manifestations sure i believe that but did i do i have an answer for the being that walked in front of the camera no i don't is there any thoughts on that story <laughs> as being a participant in that night <laughs> and the video watching I, don't know, I, I think i think there can I think, I think there is a supernatural realm that oh yeah sure that we can engage with okay that's what, that's what I got <laughs> and so I don't think that astral projections 
is is a real thing, but I that, think that's, that that's near death experience. That's the near death experience. But having Paran paranormal is the uh, is the activity of ghosts. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But like having having words or having wisdom that's not tacit or learned. I think that yeah. is that you can engage with the supernatural mm. in that way. Mm. Okay. Um, so like a tacit knowledge, but not tacit and not learned. Okay. So presented in an otherworldly form. Correct. Aliens, ghosts, or what have you. I mean, we, we pretty much have proof there's aliens now, right? So why not just have ghosts too? <laughs> Sherry, do you have any thoughts on paranormal activity? Uh, I'm, I'm open to that being a thing. Okay. Why not? I just think things are probably weirder <laughs> than we know. Okay. I just have a hard time because I'm so scientific based in my brain that it's definitely a fake science to me. You know, when you talk about paranormal science, that's, that's pseudoscience to me. So I have a hard time wrapping my head around. I, I have a easier time believing that other life forms are on earth or excuse me, other life forms exist in our universe, not on earth, um, mm -hmm. outside of earth. I have an easier time than that than like that there's, shadow figures you know roaming around but not to judge anybody that believes that like their grandfather visits them at night you know at their i bedside. had a friend who could see shadow people i can see shadow people <laughs> and their their best explanation is like somebody had a burst of emotion and like left an imprint in space time wow okay wow that's something else <laughs> hey let's like talk they, about they'd see him for just a bit and then they'd be gone let's yeah. quickly talk about the church of satan anton levey um church of satan's hero mentor founder wrote the satanic bible um they have different tenets they are a religious organization um per se and they have a religious let's say practice um to them they are they're much different than the satanic temple mm -hmm. so so i would say that that the satanic church has no affiliation whatsoever to the satanic temple so the satanic temple is more of a humanist organization that works on um causes that have to do with civil rights justice issues um freedom issues uh uh personal autonomy type issues social justice. then yeah. yeah social justice issues then uh then the the church of satan the church of satan is a is a a form group. My my experience with the Church of Satan is Diabolus Rex in Portland. Um, he used to walk around with he had subcutaneous horns underneath the skin, subcutaneous horns implanted in his head, and he would walk around Portland um, with his uh, standard bulldog, great big black bulldog, just representing. He was one of um, one of the priests of the Satanic Church. 
uh, they they do have tenants of say uh, Trey, you want to read those tenants really quick? The the nine satanic statements. Number one, Satan we represents believe. indulgence instead of abstinence. Number two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Number three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. What? Number seven. What was Satan that last, the last one again? Number six. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Hmm. What's a psychic vampire? This sucks your emotion uh, out? I, yeah, I would guess it's the same as an emotional vampire. Hmm. Yeah, okay. You yeah. know, some people yeah. are exhausting to be this around. This takes your life away from you? Okay. Totally. Yeah. Number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse, than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. True. Eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And nine... Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had, as he has kept it in business all these years. <laughs> well, I would say that I would say that more the church of Satan is sounds self-centered. It definitely is a self-actualization or self-centered organization or yeah, yeah a religion. I, I would say that the that Satan is more of a symbol versus a person mm -hmm. in the Church of Satan. That the Church yeah. of Satan, like like if you truly are the Church of Satan or part of the Church of Satan, you're not believing necessarily in a traditional mm -hmm. Christian view of Satan. Um, right. You're just against against the Christian view of Satan and God. That's what you're against. Right. Right. They actually in the Church of Satan call it itheism, which is a uh, I based theistic I am God, basically. Yeah. And and that you are you are your own uh God. And so, so Satan is not a person to them. Um but all of our views of so it's very hard for a Christian for some reason to just look at the tenets, even to to Google Church of Satan and actually read what they believe, um, right? And and actually like read what the what the uh, the, the the Satanic Temple believes, um, and you'll hear it in the news. You'll hear it, you know, from politicians or from media type people that if the Church of Satan or the 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 Satanic Temple rather shows up at events. There's an automatic like opinion or judgment on who they are, what they believe, and who they believe in. But they play uh, on that. They just play right. on that. It's, and, it's all satire to them. 
because it's a word, Satan. Um, so the first thing, so it, I guess in conclusion to all of this is as a Christian, I think that it's really, and if you're just looking through a Christian lens, an honest Christian lens, the first thing you have to do is decide on when it comes to the occult, but also demons and spirits and and all the rest that we've talked about and magic and what you think of them. I think you have to just, first of all, come to a conclusion. What do you believe about the supernatural? Like, do you believe that there is a supernatural? As a Christian, a lot of us walk around as agnostic, that we don't believe in a supernatural. We just are going through the motions and the, the practices of Christianity. So do you believe that there is a supernatural? And if you do believe that there's a supernatural, what form does that take? And you're going to have to spend some time, I think, in does that form take a traditional view of like Satan? Does that form take a traditional view of God in heaven? Does that form take a traditional view of, of the demonic or the angelic? Um, this the supernatural spirit world. So, so just coming to some conclusions about that, I think, is really kind of important for Christian people an exercise to go through. So, first, do you actually believe in the supernatural, um, and what form does that supernatural take? Then you can start coming to some conclusions. And I'm not telling you what to believe or how to believe and what form those beliefs need to take. I think we need to be very careful on number one, uh, where do these practices actually come from that we would consider the occult and our viewpoints of those practices. So we just brought up one about like the the demonization of women um, that like we're herbalists, like al like is it uh, not alchemy? Uh, alchemy, yeah, like alchemy. an alchemist. So. So, uh, so do you apothecary person, right? So an apothecary person all of a sudden being strung up and burned at the stake because they made tea because they made some kind of herbal tea. They, they fed somebody chamomile tea. It was peppermint. (laughs) Yeah. You need to calm down. Right. It's like, here's some vitamin B string her up. Um, so it's just crazy, you know, that, that the way people, you know, acted and responded and reacted, I think because they didn't form a proper view of the supernatural. They didn't have a formed view of what the supernatural actually was and how it, how it interacted with the world. So I think that's the third step is what do you actually believe the supernatural and how does it interact with the world? Does it interact with the world? How does it interact? And how close are you willing to stand into that thin space? I respect you if you just like are creeped out by Halloween and have to stay home. Um, sometimes I get creeped out at Halloween because I don't want to pass out candy to a bunch of people and I have to stay at home. But I don't get creeped out because people are dressed in costumes. I can't participate because it's a thin space. Um, and, you know, some kid in a ghost costume is going to cross over into my spirit, you know, and do battle <laughs> inside of me and I'm going to be possessed. I don't think that I don't think demons and Jesus can really like live like in the, in the same cons confines of my brain um, or my heart. Let's just call it that. So, 
So I think you have to, f to form a belief about how the supernatural interacts with the natural. I don't think there's anything wrong with Harry Potter. I don't think there's anything wrong with a story about magic. I don't think there's anything wrong with a game about magic. I think if you're trying to manipulate a spiritual world and actually call upon that spiritual world to change the natural, the supernatural to change the natural, what I believe is anything that you participate in, you better know what you're doing. Yeah. And you better have a formed view on what you're doing. Otherwise, it's just, it's just you're just participating and playing in a realm that really you're uninformed. And I think that that's what Christians do. We play in realms that we're uninformed. So we judge Harry Potter. We judge magic. We judge a witch. We judge a warlock. We judge white magic, dark magic, black magic. We have no idea what that even means. We have no idea where it comes from. We look at a practice from Native Americans and we deem it, what, evil? Um, just because it's something that we don't know or it's something we're unfamiliar with. And that's historically what Christians have done. So, Sharia, to answer your question in the pre-work, do I believe now that all the occult is bad and evil? No. I don't think that there's much in the occult, actually, that is evil. Because most of it is not even connected to evil. It's just connected to something I don't understand and can't explain. And that's okay to live in that space. So with that, thanks, Sharia. Thanks, Jake. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight.